Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Well, good evening. How are you guys doing? Are you alive in the house today? I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm looking, uh, I was actually just praying that prayer over there. I was like, Lord, let our eyes be open. Let our eyes be open to the truth. Um, I'm excited to talk to you uh, tonight. I'm, uh, I want to share with you a little bit. Uh, we've been in this series called uh, Counting the Cost, A Journey of a Laid Down Life. Uh, Gary kicked us off last week. Were you here for that? Yes, you came back. Congratulations. We didn't, uh, didn't scare you off too bad. Um, but I've been in, I want to share with you a little bit of uh, this, this journey I feel like the Lord's been taking me on about the laid down life. And what does it look to live in communion with Jesus? What does it look to abide with him? Um, and it's funny, it's like, you know, the, this passage I'm speaking on this evening is not a, it's, it's, it's a familiar passage in many ways. Uh, if you've been around church circles for any length of time, it's probably one that has been, been spoken on multiple times. But as I was just in this, I'm telling you, have you ever had moments with the Lord where you're like reading through his words and then there's like a scripture that you know and you're familiar with, but then all of a sudden... I heard the giggles. It means it happens to people, other people too. All of a sudden, like something just like jumps out at you. Something fresh, something like, uh, something new is like, oh God, I didn't even see that side of you before. And so this has been happening with me personally. Um, but uh, I want to speak tonight on John 15. Um, and I believe that it actually creates a beautiful picture of what our role is, our purpose is here when we talk about a laid down life. Let's go into it. I've got a decent amount of scripture for us to work through tonight. Are you ready for that? Yeah? Okay. John 15. We're going to be in the ESV starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he allows it to grow more fruit. Just kidding. He prunes. <laughs> Amen. He, bear, he, he, he prunes and that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, get this, that my joy may be found in you and that your joy may be full. I want to speak to you tonight on the phrase, I can honestly preach off of five words tonight. (laughs) I am the true vine. When we read this verse, and honestly, in Western 21st century, we, we don't necessarily, sometimes we miss the full impact of what this passage is, is saying. It doesn't quite hit us like it would a first century Jew. So when Jesus was saying this, it wasn't, it wasn't honestly, it wasn't brought with a lot of comforting feelings. Um, when Jesus says, I am the true Vine, this is a loaded phrase. It's packed. It's full. And throughout the Old Testament, you see that the vine is used to describe God's people, Israel. And so when you read in Scripture in the Old Testament, there's this, there's this imagery that is provided for describing God's people, Israel, with whom he has a covenant with. Are you tracking? It was stamped on, on coins. It was, it was even... There was even representatives of uh, representation of a vine across the doorway of many Jerusalem temples. You see it. It was, it was all over the place. It was a very common thing for Jewish people to know. And yet it was associated all throughout the Old Testament. And honestly, it was used in a really negative way. If you read throughout the, the Old Testament, Israel was associated with this, but it wasn't anything positive. In fact, it was not only not positive, it was swiftly followed with pointing out that it was a useless vine, that it was a fruitless vine. They declared, the Bible declared over and over that this was a vine that did just did not bear fruit. And therefore, the judgment of God was to come upon them. Really encouraging message so far, huh? I want to read to you Ezekiel 15. And I think this is important for us to understand as the as when Jesus was talking to them, this is the this was the like emotion. Now he was talking to these people, these Jews, and they would have this in the back of their head when he talked about, hey, I want to bring up this idea of a vine. This would be this would populate in the back of their head. Ezekiel 15. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of a man. How does the wood of the vine surpass any wood? The vine branch that is among the trees of the forest. Is wood taken from it to make anything? Do people take a peg from it to hang any vessel? Behold, it is given, it is given to the fire for fuel. When the fire has consumed both ends of it and the middle of it is charged, charred, is it useful for anything? Behold, When it was whole, it was used for nothing. This is Israel. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it ever be used for anything? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so I have given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will set my face against them. Though they escape from the fire, the fire shall yet consume them. 
And you will know that I am the Lord. And when I set my face against them, and I will make the land desolate because they have acted faithlessly, declares the Lord. It's pretty encouraging. Take a look really quickly at Isaiah 5. This is a psalm. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vine. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. So he set it up for success. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls and it shall be trampled upon. I will make it a waste and it shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. This is who Jesus was talking to. This was the subject he was bringing up. And so you got to imagine in this moment when Jesus was bringing like, hey, come here, come around here. I'm going to talk to you about this idea of the vine. Immediately, you've got to think that the first feelings that would rise up from them was not of like, oh yeah, please tell me more. But it was of disappointment. It was probably of shame. And honestly, there was probably a lot of fear surrounding this on what he was about to bring. (laughs) But then Jesus. Jesus. Jesus here is turning all of this on its head. With one phrase. With one phrase. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He says, oh, no, 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 no. You are no longer the vine. You are no longer the disappointment. He says, I am the true vine. What was incomplete in you is now complete in me. Do you get this? And so in that one phrase, he has entered to what was a banner of failure over the people of Israel. And he's now saying, I got this. This is on me. He's taking shame and he is pronouncing joy over them. He's taking disappointment and he's exchanging it for righteousness. He is taking an inability to measure up time and time again. And he is exchanging it with the truth over their life and saying, in me you are enough. He is presenting the gospel to them. And he's speaking this over us today, too. That no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we seem to try to accomplish on our own, he is saying, I got this. It's not on you. It's not on you.
And even I was writing this, I feel like there's just maybe some heaviness that maybe some people have brought in the room right like today. And maybe you're on the end of your rope. Maybe you don't know which way to turn. And I just want to declare what I heard the Father saying over you. And he is a good father. He says that you're not a disappointment. You're not. He says to lean on me and I will give you the joy that surpasses every circumstance that you have in front of you. A joy that's not dependent upon a circumstance, actually. But it's dependent upon him. So... What are we left to do with this? If he's the vine, then what does that make us, right? Because there's been, a, there's been a change of role. What is our role in this? We are invited to come. We are invited to be a branch. And we are invited to abide. And so in his gentleness, he gives us a place to produce fruit. He gives us a place not only to abide, but also to be a branch and have a role. But yet he also says, you will produce fruit. And it's not a fruit based upon striving, but it is a fruit that only comes from abiding. We have to understand this. It is not anything that we do. It is simply by staying connected to the source that then all of a sudden fruit comes. So what is a laid down life? It is a life that simply abides. It's interesting to note that the Bible doesn't necessarily have a category for a person who is a follower of Jesus and doesn't lay down their life. There doesn't seem to be a category in all of Scripture of someone who is, who is called a new name and has a relationship with the Lord, but yet doesn't submit their life fully to Christ. There is no category for that in Scripture from what I have found. And this, I think we can sometimes look at this and we can be like, oh, like this is sometimes just for like extreme disciples of Jesus, like the real passionate ones. This is a call for everyone. This is a call for every Christian who calls upon the name of the Lord that abiding is your portion. That laying down your life, your own wants, your own desires, my wants, my desires, what I think is good, it's all done. You know, one of the craziest things, I think, in the, in, in the Old Testament is, you know that verse when it says, and Israel did what was right in their own eyes? Do you ever think when Jesus says in the New Testament, I only do what I see my father doing? I wonder if that's like a restoration, like a full circle. Israel did what was right in their own eyes, and now Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. And that is our representative. That is the person that we ought to model our lives around. There is a call to abide, there's a call to remain, and there's a call to stay. And here's the reason why I say this, is because the enemy is crafty. 
He is sneaky and he's smart. And he is looking to deceive us in ways and so in which we think that our ideas are actually the ideas to move forward in. He is thinking, he wants to, for us to believe that like what we have, our plans for my life, Aaron's plans for Aaron's life is the way forward. That is what the enemy wants. And he will trick us into believing that that's actually a good plan. And ultimately, the plans for every person is to lay their life down before and say, God, I give you everything. I want to I want to share a story with you. Um, when I was uh, fresh out of high school, uh, I came to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, moved nine hours away from Cincinnati, Ohio, and then came to Missouri to go to Central Bible College. And I came with like a word of the Lord. <laughs> I came with the word of the Lord in my pocket. Like, I was ready. This is, this is the place. I knew this is where the Lord had me to go. And in the line of registration, where I actually met my wife, thank the Lord. Uh, in the line of registration, it came up to that time at the very end, after you'd sign all the papers, you got all of the syllabus. It's like, you're working through it all. There's a line at the bottom that says, this is how much you actually have due. Right? It's a very encouraging part of the line. <laughs> but my parents, my parents could help me with a little bit of college, but honestly, uh, FAFSA loans, they, they, they fell short. And you can call it trust. I may call it blissful ignorance. Uh, <laughs> I signed. <laughs> I signed on the dotted line saying, but here's the thing. I had loan, and I, I, but I... I had signed on the dotted line saying that I would pay, it was approximately $1,500 a month in cash on top of this because that's what loans wouldn't provide. You say, you may think trust. Maybe we'll paint this picture in trust because it sounds better. Um, but, but blissful ignorance just said, yeah, no, but, but here's what I did know. I didn't know that the Lord had me here. I knew for a fact that the Lord had me here. I knew there, there was a word of the Lord over my life that I was, gonna, that was going into a 10-year. And I had signed this piece of paper that $1,400, $1,500 was due every month. Here's the thing. I didn't have a job. I had a little bit of money in my bank account. And so for the first few months, uh, as you can imagine, I quickly drained uh, what was left in my bank accounts. Uh, my, my parents helped me. My grandparents helped me um, for a few months. But honestly, that, that ended. And it was about three months in, and I was searching for a job, and I could not find a job. I could not find a job in which I could go full-time to school and then pay $1,500 a month in order to go to school. And so I hustled, you know, I, you know, you do what you can. I hustled, I did odds and in jobs, but every month I came up short. Every month. Except on the day in which my payment was due. This is how the first month went. I remember to this day, I was about $740 short. And there was no grace here. This is not like the Lord. <laughs> You miss a payment, you're done the next day. <laughs> I was $740 short. 
I go to my mailbox, which, God, I don't even know why I did. I go to my mailbox, and I open it up, and there was an envelope filled with cash, $740, no return as sender. It was an envelope that said Aaron on it. $740 was in my envelope, was in my my, my box. (laughs) For the next seven months, I was short. And for the next seven months, down to the dollar, there was cash. This is different amounts every month. I told no one. I actually probably tested the Lord a little bit too much in this. I told no one. I told no one how much I owed. And yet every month, 700, 300, 200, 600, whatever it was, was in cash in this envelope. I went as far as to go to the lady that puts mail in my mailbox. And I said, who is putting the cash in there? She said, I haven't put anything in your mailbox in months. This is the faithfulness of the Lord. Like, this is what he does. And I don't like, I don't say that like anything, like, right? Like, get, wait, I, I got a job. Eventually he provided. But what I can tell you is that, like, the Lord will provide. And something was cemented in my life in that moment of time that I didn't have to try to muster up something in my life for the rest of my life. Still today, I stand on this. There's not something I try to muster up to figure out and to try to work something out, that there is a reliance on the Lord, knowing that he provided in 2010, that he provides to me in 2023. And there is a word of the Lord for you today that your job, my job, our job is to be a branch and is to abide. That is it. That is it. We don't have to overcomplicate this. The job of a laid down life is to simply abide. And in the abiding, it is a joy to die to myself. And it is in the abiding that we bear fruit, not fruit of striving, but fruit that only comes from being connected to the source. That's it. That's it. We got a team of, we got a panel of people. They're going to come on up who have got story after story. These are people that have lived a life that is laid down and has, as Dana's words earlier, has learned to die well. Uh, And so I encourage you to just really tune into this. I hope that these stories up here stir your faith and strengthen wherever you're at in this.